All right, peace, Moors. Peace, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get things started up. Um, one thing that I want to do, I want to um, discuss. Well, in particular, we're going to talk about something that's referred to as the Wabansi Stone or Wabansi Stone. And it was found in Chicago um, in the 1800s. Um, a humongous boulder, like 3,000 pound boulder has a face carved in it, um, believed to be of ancient Phoenician origin. There's several artifacts that have been found like this in the Americas. So we're going to talk about this. We're going to discuss it, show some sources on that. And um, coming at it from our perspective, from a Moorish perspective. Um, other people can scoff at this type of research, but things are beginning to be revealed. It's starting to come to light. And it needs to be put in the proper perspective. So let's go ahead and get things started up. Peace, everybody. Um, I just asked that everybody clicks the like and share button. If you're watching this, make sure you click that share button. And we're going to go ahead and get started now. Training 
in the flesh again Wishing we could move as a unit Just like the Mexicans Dodging all the foods with estrogen Synthetic medicines All sin is in devilish Sometimes the decisions that you make Come for a better gift Sometimes when you sin is to relate To all your brethren Heavenly gates all in our face We the champions We live in the sky We see the angels on the chariots Waiting on the $20 bill Face a Harriet I bet you I'ma carry it I'm in love with music to the point I wanna marry it But my love for people is greater So I write messages Largest spending power But we still sit at a deficit Living amongst prejudice Even at our residence Moors in America Flourishing excellent Let's buy up some neighborhoods And grow my own president Yeah And I come to you today With all intentions of spreading Love Truth Peace Freedom And justice right peace peace uh thank you everybody for joining us we're gonna go ahead and get things started um as i said earlier we're just gonna be talking about some historical anomalies some things that shouldn't exist given the history that that we're all taught um in the school system um just what's what's acceptable for the most part islam so peace and love to everybody Let's go ahead and just get things started. Um, this particular this particular show, we will be talking about the Wabansi stone, something that most of us have never even heard of. Okay. And um just discussing why why it's even relevant. Why does this even matter? Okay. So um looking at this this thing in particular, right? It's a 3,000 pound rock, 3,000 pound boulder found along the Chicago River in Chicago, the city of Chicago. And um, nobody knows where it came from. The only thing that they know is that the um, most recent, I guess you could say, iteration of the natives in that region did not do it, meaning that the so-called Native Americans in that area when the settlers came from europe they did not build it 
it predates them. So there's some people that believe that it's a Phoenician origin, and there's a reason for that. We'll get into that. Um, but this isn't unique. Actually, there's things like this found all over the Americas, from all the way from New England, with New Hampshire, Connecticut, Boston, New York, all of these places, Ohio, Wisconsin, all of that, all the way on down to Brazil. And this stuff isn't talked about. Um, there are some people that talk about this, but for the most part, they're not us. And they have their own agendas, their own spin that they put on it. So we're putting a Moorish spin on it. Excuse me, a Moorish spin on it. Why? Because we're Moors. And by being who we are, we know that we descend from the creators of civilization. We don't have to ask for anybody's permission to talk about this and to look at it from our perspective. Okay. No one else is going to do this. Um, this website that you see, it says book of Mormon evidence.org, right? The Mormons are unique. Um, they, they have the story where the founder of the Mormon religion, Brigham Young, which Brigham Young University is named after, he was over here and he found some stones and some ancient relics and artifacts that showed him that the Jesus came over here through the Americas. And um, there's a whole lot going on with the Mormons. They also um, have a huge database of the genealogy of millions of people, millions of Americans. Okay. They know a lot that they're not revealing to people. Okay. But they, they spoke about this Wabansi stone on this article. Okay. Um, going to read some of this. And um, actually, before we go into this, I just want to say too, that this, this is not uncommon, right? This article is from the website, ancientamerica.com, which I, I suggest everybody checks that out. Check that out on your, on, um, on your own. We have the links in here too for the sources for everything that I'm going over. So you can go look in the description and, and check this stuff out on your own. But um, on the ancient American website, they have an article on here, Columbus, late to the North American party. And it's just showing various, various artifacts found over here, right? Like it's, it's known that something else was going on. Right. The, the, the Europeans weren't the first people to come over here and they just met these primitive people and, and they gave them Christianity. They know there was way more going on over here. There was trade taking place between the Americas and other parts of the world. And it's known this thing that you see up here, the um, <coughs> the um, room stone, the spirit pond, um, pond room stones. Right. So this room stone that you see up here with these inscriptions on it. Right. These are runic characters. The runic language is something that um, the Norse, the ancient Vikings, Vikings would have been using. But this script was based off of ancient Phoenician. So basically it was Phoenician. In origin. It was based off of that. And um, the Vikings, I mean, the Vikings have artifacts where they have a lot written on their um, swords and different um, different artifacts in Arabic. OK, so um, there was a lot going on with the Vikings that we don't truly understand or that it, it, um, it goes against the common narrative. 
right? But this this was found uh, where where was that? I think this was in Massachusetts. I could be wrong, but um, you had the spirit um, pond rune stones, right? And um, there's a lot going on with this. Um, maybe yeah, we'll talk about it now. So just by just just look this up on Google. Look up spirit pond rune stones and type Phoenician so that you can see what you get. And when you, um, if you scroll down to like the third uh, option, it's going to say this uh, website, which is basically, uh, um, it's an archaeological organization, but it's coming from a Christian perspective. You see this where it says basslibrary.org. So it says a cryptography in the Phoenician inscription from Brazil. And um, the little description here, like you can't, you can't, Look at you can't actually read this unless you have a um, subscription to the site. That's why I have this on here. So it says Greeks and later the Romans referred to them as Phoenicians. The galley set the spirit stones found in Maine. So that that spirit stone that you see found in Maine. But the reason I have this up here so that you can see this, you you can't go to this website unless you have a description. I mean, uh, um, uh, it's private. You have to have an account on here. So this is this is just a preview from some of the the articles that they they have on there going on the the artifacts that were found in Brazil that had Phoenician inscriptions on it. In the Phoenician inscriptions, they verified it. They knew that these were actual um, authentic Phoenician um, scripts because. Some of the scripts that were on there when these artifacts were found in the 1600s, 1700s, and um, proclaimed to be of Phoenician origin, they hadn't even decoded all of the all of the art all of the um, symbols that were in there yet until later years. So they know that these were actual Phoenician artifacts that were found in Brazil, and you can't even like when I click on it, this is what happens: it's access denied. Right. Biblical archaeological society. Right. On some Indiana Jones type thing, biblical archaeological society. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I didn't go to try to make an account on here. Maybe you can. You have to be a subscriber. Right. But the biblical archaeological society is talking about this stuff. And they're talking about it in their circles just for them to keep this information from the public. For the most part, they're doing it for themselves. They're not letting you know. So these artifacts, it's known. Phoenician artifacts were found in Brazil and then also throughout throughout the Americas, also up here in North America. OK, so they go in on depth. I need to read that article. But um, that's why that's up here. So this this um, rune stone, now this was found in Maine. And remember that, that rune runic script, that's a Phoenician descent. So it doesn't necessarily mean that there were Vikings over here, even though we have stories of Eric the Red and um, some others making that journey over here. All right. But they're hiding stuff. They're hiding information. OK, but that's not it. All right. There, there are several other artifacts. Um, I mean, it's it's ridiculous how many things are found over here. What does it say? Westford Boatstone. America's Stonehenge. There's an area called America's Stonehenge in New England, and they have something there that they call the Bowstone. Why do they call it the Bowstone? 
Baal was a Canaanite god. So in the Phoenician script, this is depicting that this was um, this was of homage in homage to Baal, the god Baal. And this was found in New Hampshire. OK, they're not talking about this. Nobody is. Right. So there's several artifacts that are found over here to make that connection. Um, you actually have what they say that this was a temple. They say that this was a American temple of Baal that was discovered. OK, so this this is the stone that we're talking about right here. And um, let me close up on it. Hang on one second. We're going to get a close up of that image. Right. Somebody saying, what does it do for us today? If you don't know who you are, anybody can tell you whatever they want. Somebody else controls the narrative of who you are. So I don't know where you are with this, like where I am. Um, I'm actually building with people in my community. So this is just a portion of what we do. Discussing this on YouTube, this this isn't where it ends for me. For some people, that's all they do is talk. It's just talk. But um, for me, like I said, this is just a portion of um, what we're doing. But we're, we're discussing this for a reason, because we have to control the narrative. Somebody else has controlled the narrative. And um, uh, just again, too, since since you're asking these questions, this is, that's actually a good question. Um, now, if you see this here, let me, I guess I can't show it. Uh, all right, well. Let me see. Make this small or something. <laughs> nope, can't see it. Well, anyway, this this thing is it, just a picture. It says Black History, then it says Moorish History, and at the top, yeah, the blacks, the Negroes, they started slavery, and the Moors predate all that, right? So they they created the Negro. And if you don't think it's important to reconnect to who you truly were, who you are, because because you are who your ancestors were then you're just going along with the game. They control you. That's part of manifest destiny. That's part of the whole um, papal bull where they put out, you know, basically they're going and they're civilizing the world. You know, you can't civilize people who predate you, people who civilized you. All right. And so this is the milestone. And um, actually, I have a better picture of that, that little description of it. So it says Iberian Punic, Jim Whip. Wittal found this triangular dedication tablet in the ruins of a small rectangular stone chamber at Mystery Hill. The chamber is now recognized as a winter solstice, noon transit temple observatory. The inscription in Iberian characters reads from right to left, to bow of the Canaanites, and then parentheses says Phoenicians. To Baal of the Canaanites, this is in dedication. All right, and then that's taken from Barry Fell's book, America BC. Okay, and so why is this important, right? Why, why does it even matter, right? They start us off as slaves. They tell us that they brought us all over here on slave ships. We were already here. This is all based off of us. In our Holy Quran, where the prophet gives our dominions, he already explained all of this. We have our own holy book that that gives us our ancient dominions. That's a legal record. We're reconnected to this. That's why we're discussing this in a scholarly manner right now. That's why. 
And then you follow this up by not just talking about it, but going out in your community. I hope you're doing this. Anybody else who feels like that, that thinks this is just talk. I hope you're actually building with people in your community off of the principles of who you truly are and, and, and following your divine instructions for your salvation and moving as a unit because it's not all talk, right? But it's important to know this and then to move off of it, okay? But I'm not gonna discuss everything that we do because that's that's what you do with people that you actually know in real life, right? You, you build, you build businesses, you do those things together and you build off of these principles, right? But right now we're talking about the historical aspect and um, the hidden history, this is hidden. Okay, and there's people who don't look like us who are studying this and discussing it in private, right? So we have um, a stone tablet found in New Hampshire that has the Phoenician script that says to Baal of the Canaanites. This is in dedication, okay? But that's not it. That's not it. If that Just that in and of itself, that's enough, but that's not it. There's more. So um, that's one thing. And then who is Baal, right? Baal Baal's the Canaanite god. And um, the name Baal was taken on by Canaanites as a last name, as a surname or a tribal title. And it became Bay. Baal became Bay. You had the Canaanite god El and the Canaanite god Baal. That's where you get the Els and the Bays from. These became tribal names or surnames. Okay, so the prophet reconnected us to this. That's why we're L's and Bays. Okay, or that's that's one reason why. All right, and um, that's not the only thing though. This is something else that we're gonna talk about at some other time. Is this uh, artifact is it's a whole nother um, podcast in and of itself. But the born stone, right? The marker. We have a marker, a, a landmark. That, um, that denotes our dominions. You cannot move another nation's marker stone. You can't move their, their boundary stone. So the Bourne Stone was found in um, Cape Cod, Massachusetts. It's a Carthaginian artifact, as it says. It has the Phoenician script on it. Once again, the Phoenician script. Okay? This is a legal document. <laughs> Right, referring to us, our dominions, the greater Carthaginian Empire. Okay, and um, I believe it says, with this, I take claim, and then it's signed, Hanno, as in Hanno Bay. All right, um, as you can see from this, uh, this meme that's up here. Um, it's got a quote from the Consecrated Talisman by uh, Prince Uriel Bey, one of the earliest Moorish Phoenician documents pertaining to the rights, possessions, and inhabitation of land by blood in the Americas, describing the annexation of the American continent to the Iberian Peninsula, both being of the present Moorish and ancient, ancient Carthaginian empires, the Bornstone. Can't even pronounce that. Kamasop, I ain't even going to try to pronounce that anymore. Cape Cod. Bay, New England, Massachusetts, which exhibits and identifies the Moorish seal of Hano Bay, circa 500 BC, written or inscribed in the North Semitic Iberian Punic script, which in later form of the Moabite characters is the Moors 
Moabites and Canaanites are known to have carried their Semitic tongue in Spain. Okay, so um, that that um, artifact that was found here, right in the Americas, the bow stone that we just talked about. That's not the only thing. Okay, so there's a lot going on here that's um, being hidden, kept from kept from um, public understanding. It's not discussed in the school system. It's just not being talked about. And there's a reason for this, right? With what the prophet returned to us, he returned our ancient dominions to us, right? We just talked about this in Sunday school, right? Not Sunday school, holy day, last week. Okay, so. Why is this important? In chapter 47 of our holy book, our, this is a legal document. All right, in the Holy Quran of the Moorish Science Temple of America, chapter 47, Egypt, the capital empire, the dominion of Africa. Just going to read verse 1 and verses 6 through 8. Verse 1 is saying, The inhabitants of Africa are the descendants of the ancient Canaanites from the land of Canaan. Okay. And then it goes on to say in verse 6, the Moabites from the land of Moab who received permission from the pharaohs of Egypt to settle and inhabit Northwest Africa. Hang on. Touch! Quiet. <laughs> All right, so uh, verse 6. The Moabites from the land of Moab who received permission from the pharaohs of Egypt to inhabit and settle Northwest Africa. They were the founders and are the true possessors of the present Moroccan empire with their Canaanite, Hittite, and Amorite brethren who sojourned from the land of Canaan seeking new homes. Their dominion and inhabitation extended from northeast and southwest Africa across the great Atlantis, even into the present north, south, and central America, and also Mexico and the Atlantis Islands. Okay, so that's the area. It extended from this portion of Africa across the great Atlantis, even into the Americas, all of the Americas, including Mexico and the Atlantis Islands. And so that's the dominion. This is a great um, area, a humongous area. So we're given the land, the dominions, but then we're also given a time period before the great earthquake, which caused the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, and so we're given more on that, that time period, right? The, 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 uh, excuse me, the river Nile was dredged and made by the ancient pharaohs of Egypt in order to trade with the surrounding kingdoms. And also the Niger River was dredged by the great pharaoh of Egypt in those ancient days for trade. And it, it, it extends eastward from the river Nile westward across the great Atlantic. It was used for trade and transportation, right? So all of this is pertaining to us, okay? Just had to read it. So all of this is pertaining to us and it's important. And so um, once again, going back to that question, when the person's like, well, just want to say this, let me put that up on the screen. All this past stuff, being Hebrews, former kings, what does it do for us today? Because, you know, they had a, the memes out there making fun of us talking about we was kings. <laughs> we was kings. Right. What does this have to do with us today? So I get it. If you're just looking at this stuff on YouTube, what does it do for you today? Nothing. It doesn't do anything for you. That's why I suggest actually building with real physical people in your community. 
building your you're establishing your community, working, getting your businesses together, getting property, getting land, acquiring land, moving as a unit together. And based off of these principles, coming together as Moorish Muslims, going back to Islam. Right. Because um, what, what did we just talk about yesterday, Moors? <laughs> what did we just talk about in Holy Day yesterday? We were just in Chapter 48. What were we instructed to do to, to come into our divine covenant? We have a divine covenant. So we as a clean and pure nation descended from the inhabitants of Africa do not desire to amalgamate into the family of their religion because our forefathers are the true and divine founders of the first religious creed for the redemption and salvation of mankind on earth. Hang on one second. All right. So, um, excuse me, back to this. Uh, Neither serve the gods of their religion because our forefathers are the true and divine founders of the first religious creed. So we're talking about this for a reason, for the redemption and salvation of mankind on earth. So what are we doing? Therefore, we are returning the church and Christianity back to the European nations as it was prepared by their forefathers for their earthly salvation. While we, the Moorish Americans, are returning to Islam, which was founded by our forefathers for our earthly and divine salvation, right? And that's how we come into the covenant of the great God, Allah. Honor thy father and thy mother, that they, thy days may be longer upon the earth land, which the Lord thy God, Allah, hath given thee. So we're coming into our divine covenant. We're returning to who our forefathers were, because whoever who our forefathers were, that's who we still are in this day. And by returning to that, Returning to the ways of our forefathers, which also answers that that same question, right? We was kings. By returning to the ways of our forefathers, okay, we predate the Europeans. The Europeans claim to civilize us, which actually I'm I'm gonna go into this later on, but I'll, I'll go ahead and touch on this a little bit. Um, we predate the Europeans. The Europeans act like they civilized us, and that's a big deal. So they act like they civilized us, right? And um, we can't continue to go along with this lie. It's a big deal. It's not just saying we was kings. The doctrine of discovery wasn't a joke. The papal bulls, this, this is not a joke. So they discovered our land and they gave us Christianity. They blessed us with Christianity because we didn't have anything. Okay, or whatever lie they make up. We have to dead that now. It's time to dead those lies. So we have to come out of that and come into who we truly are. And by coming into who we truly are, we predate all of that. We 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 didn't get civilized by the European. We didn't need their religion. We have our own. We're good now. Okay. And so that's that's an important aspect of this that can't be left out. You have to you have to make the exodus. You have to come into who you truly are. Okay. So it's not just sitting up here talking about how great we were. All right, and then that's also why um, I do suggest every more have a copy of the Holy Quran and the More Science Temple of America and read it and under- get, gain understanding on it. If you need to study with other Moors, that's one reason why you should maybe listen in on a um, Holy Day or Sunday school class with the Moors and um, see if you learn something. You know, but that's on you. Do what you want to do. But um, you should be building with people in real life in your area 
we're not just talking, right? That's just one aspect of this. That may be all that you see because you don't maybe don't know any real mores in real life. Okay, but this is just one aspect of it, the teaching. Okay, so we have to come into who we truly are. And so going back to this kind of got off the subject, but with that that um that uh stone tablet, it's got the inscription saying um to Baal of the Canaanites, right? So they're saying that in that area in New Hampshire, there are so many artifacts that were found there. They say that this was an American temple um dedicated to Baal. Right, and that's what this website is saying so um you can you can look this up too i have all the links for everything you see here in the description but so you have an engraved tablet which translated by the late dr barry fell reads two ball of the canaanites phoenicians this is in dedication and it's written in iberian punic okay and um basically they came to the conclusion that this is the site of an ancient phoenician israelite astronomical temple of Baal. And if you saw um, earlier that um, that Google search that was up right here, where you actually have um, an article that's talking about the Phoenician artifacts found in Brazil, and, and you can't even access it, man. It's the Biblical Archaeological Society, like access denied. You are not authorized to to access this page, right? So you have to subscribe, and I don't know, you know, what they're talking about. I haven't read. I have an idea though. I'm gonna actually read some more um, about that. I have something else, so we're not just stuck just because they're trying to deny access. But people are discussing this amongst themselves in their own archaeological societies. So this information is important, and they're not gonna make the connection of how this applies to you. All right. They're not going to make that connection. Just like I'm not going to read this whole entire page right now. You can go and read that on your own. The description has the links. But um, Baal, who is Baal? Baal is a Canaanite god. Okay, ancient Canaanite god. And um, as I was saying earlier, um, Baal and El, these were Canaanite gods. Baal became Bay. People took these names on um, as surnames or tribal names. So you had the ills and the bows or the ills and the bays. All right. As it says here, uh, the region um, bow at and near Canaan, near around and at Ugarit, middle kingdom of Egypt. Okay. So this is where bow's kingdom was. This is where the Canaanites were. All right. Um, Just showing this to you. Um, we actually have some, there's actually stones, um, ancient stones and carvings and, um, I guess, uh, you could say, uh, figures of Baal where he's actually holding up his hands in the same prayer stance that the prophet returned to us, right? So the prophet returned these ancient ways to us. Okay. And so we have all these artifacts found over here, reconnecting us to the same heritage that the prophet returned to us. And so, no, this is not something to overlook. It's important to understand it, to know how this connects to you and to be able to stand on it and move on it, right? Because this is hidden. This is hidden for a reason, right? Why would the um, the biblical archeological society even be talking about this? 
right? This doesn't fit in with the common narrative of history. This doesn't even apply to them more than likely. So why are they doing it? Okay, so it is important to know. Um, I will read some of this article though <clears throat> about this this Wabansi stone, back to this. So, I mean, I know there's people maybe even watching this right now who are from Chicago, from Mecca, and you never even heard of this thing. A big 3,000 pound stone with the face carved into it, right? And it had like a little, um, a little like um, tube or tunnel system where um, they could tell that the, there were like liquids or something being ground up or poured in the top, and then it would come out this little hole right there where the mouth is, right? So the legend of the Wabansi stone is saying archaeologists, ar um, archaeologists, anthropologists, and historians are only now beginning to revise much of their understanding of the ancient world. Textbooks have taught since Columbus that Columbus was the first to travel by ship to the New World, right? So even you know, people of European descent, they're trying to figure out. They know they're being lied to. More recently, a few textbooks have conceded that maybe early Vikings, such as Leif Erikson, also visited Greenland and possibly further. But historians are now having to revise history, again, acknowledging the existence of hundreds of Phoenician mooring stones, ancient rune stones and other artifacts that are found throughout the Americas. And most of these artifacts are not recent discoveries, but have been known since the 1800s. Okay, so this one, I believe, was found in the 1800s as well. And they're saying this was a Phoenician mooring stone like it was it was um, it, near the Chicago River, like I think marking where the Chicago River went into emptied into Lake Michigan. The Wabansi stone, for example, was in possession of the Chicago Museum. Pretty much it was hidden in there. Same museum housing the Joseph Smith um, papyri. So there's a papyrus is there. You look that up. Never even heard of that. First time hearing about that. Joseph Smith papyri are Egyptian funerary papyrus fragments from ancient Thebes between 300 to 100 BC, which along with four mummies were on once owned by Joseph Smith, founder of the Latter-day Saint movement. Wow. Okay. So um, going back to this, <laughs> uh, after the Great Chicago Fire in 1871, it found its way into service as a drinking fountain for a time, right? This stone is now thought to be a Phoenician mooring stone that may have marked the entrance from Lake Michigan to the Chicago River, which leads to the Mississippi River. In addition to the carved face, this stone features a basin with a chiseled hole that was meant to catch the blood of a sacrifice and drain it down through the middle and out of the front of the stone, okay? And, um... This stone isn't like, it's not on display. It's in the Chicago Museum, but it's like in the basement or something, right? Another interesting aspect of the Wabansi stone is the very detailed but possibly fraudulent alternative story put forth by Henry H. Herblet, a member of the Chicago and Wisconsin Historical Societies. So he basically goes in just to say that it was just a grinding stone for grinding corn. And some are now saying that this purposeful suppression was due to manifest destiny. Thanks to manifest destiny, 
there was a huge conspiracy put in place to conceal the true origins of the Native Americans in order to categorize them as sub-evolved savages and deny them constitutional rights. Now, this is from a Mormon website. All right. And that's why I was um, answering the, the brother's question. Why are we talking about this? Even a European knows why we're talking about this. So if you don't know, you got to get up to speed. These are Mormons. This isn't a Moorish website. All right. The Church of Latter-day Saints. Thanks to Manifest Destiny, there was a huge conspiracy put in place to conceal the true origins of the Native Americans in order to categorize them as sub-evolved savages and deny them constitutional rights. In other words, Negroes. They turned them into Negroes. They were savages. They deemed the Saracens savages. Okay? This is from the Mormons, man. Not coming from us. I'm just saying. Native Americans were classified as subhuman in order to appear to legally claim American soil by new European settlers. Hiding the true origins of the Native Americans would also serve to discredit the Book of Mormon. Right? Because the Book of Mormon is saying that Jesus came over here, that the people from the Bible came over here. Okay. This new Phoenician myth reminds me of another much more ancient myth that stood for thousands of years. 3,000 years ago, the Phoenicians controlled all trade and shipping in the Mediterranean, in addition to their capital in Carthage. The Phoenicians owned port cities throughout the Mediterranean, including the Strait of Gibraltar. No ships were allowed to pass the straits. The story was told and perpetuated that the earth was flat and any ship that passed the straits risked falling off the edge of the earth. This is what they told the Europeans. Like you're going to fall off the edge of the earth. In other words, if you even try to go to the land of milk and honey, you're going to get raided. You're going to get robbed. You're going to get sold into slavery. The, the popularity you're going to disappear. You're going to fall off the edge of the earth. The popularity of the earth is flat myth is one of the main reasons why most historians believe no one before Columbus visited America. Right. The, these historians, in a way, still believe the myth. The great myth didn't end with the Phoenicians, but continued with Rome and even endured by the Spanish to the Spanish Empire until the voyage of Columbus, 1492. All right. And then they're just saying this fraudulent myth was perpetuated throughout Europe. It turns out that the Phoenicians were traveling the New World routinely, as these many mooring stones demonstrate. And then, of course, they grew up in Salt Lake because that's where a lot of Mormons are. And there were supposed to many firesides, farm, and even occasional ensign articles looking for the Book of Mormon lands in Mesoamerica. A few details fit here and there between the Maya and Book of Mormon, but it was mostly very dissatisfying. So they're just speaking on how history is being hidden. This is obviously another example of that, right? You can do a Google search for many indications of Phoenician artifacts here. Davenport tablets are giving some examples. The Iowan Stele, Back Creek Stone, Lost Lunas, Decalogue Stone, Pontotoc Stele, Newark, Holy Stones. 
and just more. This is a bunch. This whole paragraph on the have a uh, quote on the bank of the Pelican River near the east end of the suspension bridge connecting Peterson and Sherwin Parks lie three boulders into which have been drilled odd shaped triangular holes. A nearby plaque proclaims them Viking mooring stones. These stones, originally from the east shore of Grove Lake, are among many scattered across the Minnesota Lake County country and the river Red River Valley. Okay, so these things are all over the country, all over the place. Just um, go into more about the history of the Wabansi Stone, right? So, um, according to the official version, the four-inch deep basin was used by Native Americans for grinding um, grain. In the early 1800s, a soldier stationed at Fort Dearborn chiseled the face in the likeness of a friendly Patua Tommy chief Wabansi. So that's where the name comes from, right? That's the story that they told. However, nothing more was heard about the stone until a prominent Chicago family put it on display in their front yard in the 1860s. The family gave the stone to the museum in 1914. The Chicago Museum cut the stone and used it as a drinking fountain for 18 years. Right. So this is this is crazy. And um, uh, I have this uh, book from this guy, Frank Joseph. We're going to look at that. Right. Because he's um, he gave the alternative history perspective to it. Right. Saying that it was made by the Phoenicians, saying that it, it resembled the, the mooring stones that the Phoenicians um, used. And we'll go ahead and, and go to that. Um, the museum never examined the Wabansi stone, though. Never. Right. And it doesn't make sense. Like, why Why not even look at it? Because they, they have to stick to the mainstream narrative. Anything that doesn't fit in that, they risk losing their job. They risk um, losing whatever, whatever um, financing that they're getting. If they're if they're working on a book. Right. It's not going to happen if they're coming at it from this perspective. It's not going to see the light of day. OK. But um, for the most part, they never even, according to them, the uh, different uh, representatives at the museum, they never even looked into it to see if it was legitimate. Um, let me see. Who, who's this quote coming from? The curator. He said, we did give them the option of deciding if the artifacts are real, fake or not. Or maybe the maybe answer isn't a cop out on our part. Some objects you just can't tell if they're real or not. There might be physical tests we could do on the object to help us find the truth. But in many cases, the objects are so rare and delicate, it's not worth damaging them to find out. And this is coming from the curator of the museum. But they they cut the stone and turned it into a drinking fountain for a while. Right. Journalist Jeff Hubner, who writes for the Chicago Reader, investigated the controversial history of the Wabansi stone. Has the Chicago Historical Society ever had the Wabansi stone examined by geologists, archeologists, metal metallurgists, or art historians? Have they ever done this? No, never. They never even looked at it. Um, in an interview with Ralph Pugh, a 19 year society historian, Hubner was told the museum never bothered to examine the boulder. They never even bothered. Right. They didn't even look to see if it was a fake. 
says, you know, I can reveal that in terms of analysis of the stone or other clues, we can say we haven't looked into those claims. Few things the alternative theories seem fanciful, rooted in the 19th century Chicagoans yearn to view their young, fast-growing city as having an antiquated and folkloric past. The stone caught a lot of people's imaginations, and that accounts for the over-imagination. So they, they're not even looking at it, right? Okay. And um, then it's just talking about potentially who carved the stone. Um, one of our four base relief carvings on towers made of Indiana limestone on the Michigan Avenue Bridge over the Chicago River has an interesting five-pointed star on a Native American shield. You see that right here, right? That's the star, that's the star from our flag. Along with other interesting symbols with the carvings, does it reflect the ideological learnings of the artist or perhaps one of the ones who commissioned them? So other people are starting to question this. They're, they're thinking outside the box. Um, I think there, there was something else in here I wanted to read, but I can't remember. Okay, so I, I have something else to go to, but um, this is coming from a Mormon perspective, right? They're not going to make that connection for you, but they know that there is more to it than meets the eye, right? So they're not going to give you all of the information. And that's why we're meeting. That's why we're discussing this, because nobody else is going to give you that, right? That's what we do at Moors in America. So um, this, this is from the Chicago Reader. I think there was a quote in here too. Yeah. Um, so this um, this is just asking and answering some questions. Is the Wabansi stone an artifact from the Indian Wars, the gathering post for Viking ships in the Great Lakes, an altar where Phoenicians sacrificed infants thousands of years ago? Who knows? Right. So this article is... Just going in on this, um, you have a three-foot-high, 3,000-pound boulder, which has a carved face hollowed, up, hollowed out on top and two holes on either side. is on permanent display at the Chicago Historical Society, where it once served as a drinking fountain. Right? And it's like in obscurity. So few vi uh, visitors realize it's an object of mystery. There's like nothing really special about it. They don't talk about it or say, hey, yeah, this was found here. You might see it and think like... Where, where did this come from? Right. And they don't know. They never they, they tell you that they the, the museum never even looked into it. They never examined it. They never looked or carbon dated it. Any of that stuff. Right. Kind of hard to believe. Right. Um, I had a quote in here I wanted to read, but I. Can't find it. They're just talking about in, in this article, though, you can you can go read this too. the links in the description. But just basically talking about some of the various claims about its origin. Um, the mound builders were actually several Indian cultures that flourished in the Midwest and South from 1000 B.C. to 1300 A.D. Their largest and most impressive site Cahokia in downstate Illinois was a great population and ceremonial center, peaked between 1050 and 1250, and was marked by 120 temple mounds, burial mounds, and other earthworks. 
And then they're saying they are known to have ritually killed men, men and women. They're always saying that. Um, they don't really know. They have no idea who actually built it. Right. And for the most part, it's just it's peculiar that this museum had possession of it. They never even looked into it. OK. Um, hang on one second. We're going to pull something else up, though. So. Um, I do advise, though, later on, we get time going and looking at some of the uh, some of the links in the description, gain more insight on this. Um, because actually, this isn't just this one artifact. There's several things, okay? But um, as I was saying before, when I showed the Bornstone, right, that's found in Cape Cod, um, Massachusetts, right? This thing had the Phoenician script on it, and it basically says, by this, I take claim, or something along those lines, right? This is an old article about the Bornstone. And then it's signed Hanno, Hanno, a Phoenician seafarer king named Hanno, right? And it was actually translated by Harvard linguists, right? Linguists from Harvard University. And it said, uh, the last sentence says, Hanno takes, uh, by this I take claim, or a proclamation of annexation, do not deface of this Hanno takes possession, okay? And that's that's what we have on the stone that was found in Cape Cod. All right. And that's that's without a doubt. <clears throat> um, it's not talked about, but it's official. OK, um, something else that's not discussed here um, in, in, in mainstream society or the mainstream um, history is the the connection between the ancient um, pyramid temple builders and the ancient Egyptian society. If you look at this, um, and this is from Discovering the Mysteries of Ancient Americas. It's by uh, Frank Joseph and I think uh, some other authors as well. If you can look that, I got the, I have the links in the description. Once again, not just telling you this, you can go look this up on your own, but um, this is showing um, an Olmec statue and comparing it to ancient Egyptian influences or vice versa, right? So looking at it um, from perspective of somebody who would just deny, deny any claims of um, the people interacting with each other, right? It's saying critics of ancient Egyptian influences in America are hard pressed to explain objects such as this one on the side of a monumental statue at the Maya ceremonial city of Copan. The knotted loop depicted here in Honduras served was also revered in the Nile Valley as Sa, a stylized life preserver signifying protection and associated with the great one, Tort, divine protector of the dead, right? So you'll see this um, in ancient Egypt as well in, in, the, um, in the ruins from the ancient Olmec society. They don't say Maya, but they're talking about the, the Olmecs, the Mayans that actually didn't build any of that, right? So it's known. It's known that there was a connection here, and it's even though it's it's played down, it can't be denied, right? And um, the only way it can be denied is if you don't know who you are, right? So it's well known that um, the Olmecs had a connection. We've even um, got I don't have any pictures up right now, but there's actually at one of the sites you have 
an ankh that's carved out of stone, right? And it's right there. Same type of ankh that you would see in ancient Egypt, right? So the connection is here. It's obvious, but you have to be able to, um, you have to be able, you have to have eyes that can see, right? This one is saying that there's a double loop on Queen Nefertiti's crown, on her fez, her crown. But you see the same thing here in a pre-Columbian statue. He's wearing a fez and he has a double loop in the center as well. Statue of an unidentified prominent Toltec lady or she, he, she, shown here wearing a hat. Not only similar to Nefertiti's, but uh, decorated with an identical double loop emblem, right? So the the story, the the um the, the hidden history that's returned to us in chapter 47. We have concrete proof or stone proof here in the Americas of this. But without that connection of who you truly are, this doesn't apply to you. This doesn't apply to the Negro because the Negro was created in the 1700s. All right. So um this in particular is about the Wabansi sculpture. Uh the industrial city of Chicago is not usually associated with the prehistory of our country, yet it is foremost museums display an absolutely unique work of art that may have been left by visitors from the Near East more than 2,000 years ago. Their monumental contribution to Chicago's riverfront could be no less archaeologically enlightening than it was originally macabre, because they're trying to insinuate that this was like used for sacrifices which they have to do when they write to try to make it sensationalized they always act like everything was about sacrifice um this article too once again get that from the description chicago's great stone face by frank joseph in the heart of chicago's loop along the south bank of the chicago river once stood a large and curious stone on one side was expertly sculpted the face of a man his eyes closed and mouth open with a chin beard and um they noted the the so-called oh wow. Yeah, y'all didn't even tell me this wasn't up on the screen. <laughs> I'm I'm sh- I'm showing it. I'm thinking I'm showing this stuff. Man, nobody said anything. All right. Okay. Uh maybe I should go back a little bit. And nobody said anything, man. Okay, here we go. So, um, all right. So at first, we're just showing this um, Egypt, um, not Egyptian, but this is an Olmec artifact from the Honduras, right? And it has the same knotted loop that's depicted by the um, ancient Egyptians, right? The knotted loop depicted here in Honduras, also revered in the Nile Valley, Asa, a stylized life preserver, signifying protection and associated with the Great One. Okay, see this thing here? It's like all across the board, right? Egyptian artifacts found over here, um, literally carved out of stone, right? There was another one too, just showing um, Queen Nefertiti, how she has the double loop on her headdress. And then you have another statue found here, pre-Columbian found here in the Americas with the same double loop on the headdress. Headdress looks kind of like a fez, right? All right. And then just discussing the the Wabansi sculpture. So 
the um the face that was on the the boulder has a beard and that's something that the um the native americans at that time in the 1800s when the settlers were clearing that area out they they weren't even able to grow beards like that so they know that they didn't they didn't do it they didn't build it it wasn't of them or it wasn't even a depiction of them right um but to go back into this at the top of the stone was a depression like a small trough 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 three interconnecting holes bored through the hard stone linking the trough appeared on either side of the artwork and through the parted lips on the face the relief sculpture measured one foot wide 17.5 inches high all right um the 3,000 pound granite block originally dominated a sand dune overlooking Lake Michigan. And actually the sand dunes in Lake Michigan are crazy. Like you should check those out if you ever get a chance, Indiana dunes. But um, geologists believe the pre-sculpted monolith was either deposited there by a glacier, which would date about 10,000 years ago or part of the Canadian shield, an area of rock that let at least 750 million years old. In any case, the unique stone face formerly peered outside the stockade of Fort Dearborn. Okay, so we're just giving the history on it. Not going to read all this. In 1881, Mr. Henry Holbert became the first writer to describe this strange stone. He speculated, this was in the 1800s, that it had been carved by stone unknown by some unknown Fort Dearborn soldier and wanted to sculpt the likeness of Wabansi, a chief of the Pato. Uh, Potawatomi Indian tribe. Like, why would a would a um, European soldier, a colonizer, take out their time to try to sculpt in rock a, a Wabansi, the the chief, their enemies, right? They're they're killing them. They're taking their land. Why would he do that? That makes no sense. But somebody just described that in the 1800s. Um, had no real records or documentation of any kind at his disposal. He was just going off of hearsay. He assumed that uh, it was used to gr um, to grind maize, corn. Although, why would anyone need a 3,000-pound mortar to do this? Right? So those were just his explanations, and that's kind of what stood, stuck. People just went with it. Like I said, later on, they were using it as a water fountain. Somebody just had it in their yard, a, a wealthy family. Right? They just were using it. Okay, but they, they more than likely they knew there was something else to it, right? For them to be holding it like that. Um, so um, this is just saying how if no 19th century Chicagoan was the sculptor, neither was any Native American. The Plains Indians rarely worked in stone, right? And we're talking about people who were living in teepees, like they they didn't they didn't do they didn't build the mounds. They didn't carve in stone. They definitely weren't um, weren't the ones who were mining copper. They know that copper was being mined and traded in the um, Great Lakes region, right? You have several of the mound builders in the Ohio, throughout Indiana, in this area, who um, they found buried with copper breastplates and different copper artifacts. So they know this was being done in the area. Then it's saying more of a merit Amera Indians are beardless. They're talking about the people of the, the Mongolian stock, right? The um, They're beardless. 
and the car face appears to sport a goatee, right, like us. And why would some anonymous soldier memorialize a chief and the chief is their enemy, <laughs> right? So why was it made? We don't know. It was on display at the Chicago Historical Society. It's just over in the corner, some obscure thing. No attention really given to it, right? So like I said, most people probably don't even know about this. But you might want to go and check it out, especially if you're in in Mecca, in Chicago. All right. So this is just trying to give a timeline to it, saying back in the 1600s, you had the, the Europeans going into this area in the rivers. Um, possibly it was discovered in the 17th century, 18th century. Um, now, I'm not going to read this entire article, but I will uh, read a little bit about why this connection is being made to the Phoenicians. The Phoenicians were an ancient Semitic people uh, known as the Canaanites, whose origins were in what is now Lebanon in the years following the Trojan War, right? So it's um, basically not going to read that whole thing, but it's, it's known that these are the people who were controlling trade, all right? And they basically controlled the waterways, all right? People weren't just able to to travel and trade without their permission, which is also why the Europeans weren't able to come over here until the king, Boabdil, sold Granada. He sold Al-Andalus to Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, who were his cousins. He sold it to them. And then they turn around and um, started to sell portions of the Moorish dominions to the other European nations, right? Which is how you had the English colonies, the Spanish, the Portuguese colonies, the French colonies, right? The Americas were the portion that they were cut off from, okay? So um, it's not, that's why it's like, no, it's not a coincidence that Granada fell in 1491. And then the very next year, 1492, Columbus is heading over here. Right. That's not a coincidence. That's just common sense. If you notice, there's no coincidence. That's the only reason. That's why they got the maps and they, they knew about this. Now they, they were told they would fall off the world. Right. If they tried to go past the Straits of Gibraltar. All right. So um, this is what happened. This was the furthest land. This was the Alma Grab Alaska, the furthest west. All right. So um, as, as this is saying in here, as we reported in a recent issue, number 17, new discovery of ancient map puts Phoenicians in the Americans. Dr. Mark McMenamin, professor of geology and paleontology at Mount Holyoke University in South Hadley, Massachusetts, demonstrated last winter that the Phoenicians included representations of the Brazilian coast on some of their minted coins, right? So he's saying that the Phoenicians had coins that showed the Brazilian coast on it. Although these coins are physical proof that the ancients knew about South America, they are only the latest in an accumulation of evidence going back more than three centuries. 
Now, this is what's not talked about. And this is what's more than likely talked about in that article from the biblical historical society, where if you just try to go to it and you're not a subscriber, it's going to say access denied. Right. They want to know who's looking at this, who's reading this. You need to give me some information. You need to be a subscriber. So a stone covered with Phoenician letters was discovered in Brazil about 120 years ago. Right. So this says definitely not being talked about. And um, if you don't know what I'm talking about before, you have to look at the beginning of the video. But the Biblical Historical Society is discussing this in secret. They're not letting us know about it. And they're definitely not talking about this in, in the schools. OK, I'm going to go back to that thing that I was just about to read. Is that's, that's actually very interesting. But this is. um. This is the hidden information, right? You see this up on here where it's saying a cryptology cryptogram in the Phoenician inscription from Brazil. Sounds interesting, right? But if you want to know more about it, your access is going to be denied. And this is coming from the Biblical Archaeological Society. So they're talking about the ancient Phoenicians being over here. Okay. So this is being discussed and it is important. And they're not going to give you that connection. They're not going to make that connection for you. This is important. Nobody else is making that connection. All right. So um, back to this. Uh, right. So th this should be obvious if you're more American Muslim. All right. So we're in Brazil now. Stone covered with Phoenician letters was discovered in Brazil about 120 years ago. Now, remember, we had the professor of geology and paleontology at Mount Holyoke College who um, demonstrated that the Phoenicians had representations of the Brazilian coast on some of their minted coins. Their currency had the Brazilian coast on it. What did our prophet say? These are Phoenicians. These were Moors. So the prophet wasn't just making this up. He was returning hidden history to us when it's saying that their dominion and inhabitation extended from northeast, southwest and southwest Africa across the great Atlantis, even to the present north, south and central America and also Mexico and the Atlantis Islands before the great earthquake, which caused the great Atlantic Ocean. So that's the hidden information. And this is this is this is amazing. So this was returned to us. You can't take this lightly. Um, according to author Gunnar Thompson, the inscription was found by Brazilian slaves during the early 1870s called the Paraiba text. It recounts the voyage of Phoenix Phoenician merchants who traveled from Sidon in the early 6th century B.C., so 600 BC, they're coming to Brazil, present day Brazil in South America. The Paraiba text was branded a fraud after its publication. Of course, right? They had to reconstruct history. They couldn't allow that to go. But however, subsequent research confirms that the inscription is authentic. Passages that were once thought to be er erroneous have been verified from identical inscriptions of bona fide Phoenician artifacts. The inscriptions included 
ancient expressions and grammatical forms that were unknown during the 1800s. So there's script that's in there, Phoenician script that that people didn't even know about in the 1800s, hadn't even been um, found on bona fide Phoenician artifacts and, 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 and um, um, translated yet. So there's no way that this could have been faked in the 1870s when it wasn't even known about. And so later on, it was verified as authentic. Okay. And like, once again, with that website that I just had up from the biblical archaeological society, they're talking about this. Why isn't the preacher telling you about this stuff? Right. Is hidden. So, okay, so from a Christian perspective, they're talking about this in their circles amongst themselves, right? Just trying to put this in a proper perspective, but they're leaving you out and they're not making the connection. Only your prophet made that connection. Sirius Gordon. And that's another thing for, for the people out there who want to claim, oh, yeah, we're Native Americans, we're Indians, right? You're proud to live in teepees and all this stuff when this isn't what we were doing. This is not what we were doing. We had cities. We had temples. Okay. We have pyramids. And this is why. Because of the Moorish connection. So for all the people that want to want to dead that, want to act like that's that's ridiculous. The Moors were trading slaves and all this stuff. They they don't get it. It goes back further than that. All right. This predates even um Islam is founded by the Prophet Muhammad. Because we're going back to 500 BC and before 6th century BC. Sirius Gordon, a Semitic language scholar at Brandeis University has ruled out the possibility of forgery because the archaic language was only recently decoded. So this is once again, discussing the Paraiba text that was found in Brazil. Talking about it was found by Brazilian slaves. Right, they always call us slaves during the 1800s, 1870s, and they ruled out the possibility of forgery because the language was only recently decoded. Like, how could they have forged it? That means they would have known, didn't know, right? This is a dead language. So in 1641, even earlier, this is going back to 1641. Now, if you don't know, Brazil was founded in the 14, wait, not in the 1500s, okay? So in 1641, Jesuits living near Minas Gerais, Brazil, reported bronze figurines with strange writing. Antiquarians at the Vatican identified the inscriptions as Phoenician. In 1754, missionaries reported the ruins of a stone city in the Amazon jungle, also having Phoenician inscriptions. So once again, the Phoenician connection and um, what is said about the Jesuits. I want to read something about the, the Jesuits, how they describe the indigenous people. Okay. They, um, they describe the indigenous Brazilians, which they used to call the, um, the so-called Indians in Brazil. I lived in Brazil for five years. They called the Indians Negros de Terra. That means Negroes of the land. All right. And um, actually, I have a book from the late uh, great Jack D. Forbes 
where he has um, the accounts of the Jesuits describing the indigenous people as Moors, right? Um, uh, I would like to, uh, maybe, maybe I can pull it up. Okay, okay. Yeah, I might actually be able to read this to you right now. So there's actually a chapter in his book, um, Africans and Native Americans, chapter three, Negro, Black, and the Moor. The evolution of these terms is applied to Native Americans and others. So it's really interesting when you're getting to Brazil, right? The Portuguese use of Negro for Americans, page 69, it says, Brazilian canoe men he saw were so black that they could have been taken for sailors on the sea of sticks in hell. In 1524, the Carolina coast people were said to be of dark color, not much unlike the Ethiopians, lighter colored people farther north. From 1549 through 1565, the letters of Jesuit missionaries in Brazil, usually addressed to colleagues in Portugal or Spain, re frequently referred to the Americans as Negroes, as well as using terms such as gentios, which is pagans, brasis, brasis, and other forms of Brazilian and Indios. Indios is the name for Indian. In, 18, uh, in, in April 1549, Manuel de Nobrega, the leader of the Jesuits, addressed a letter from Bahia to Samuel Rodriguez in Lisbon, in which he refers to the Portuguese in Brazil as living in sin because of having their many negras, that's the female Negro, many negras and lots of children by the said black women. The editor, Serafim Lechi, notes in a footnote, negras, isto e mujeres, indias, Negras, the negras name negras da Africa, ainda os now havia na Bahia. Um, so basically, that's saying that the negras, the black women, are the Indian women, the mujeres, uh, mujeres indias. Um, negras name negras da Africa, ainda os now havia na Bahia. So they're not the Negroes of Africa, right? <laughs> They're the Negroes of Bahia. Bahia is a state in Brazil. Brazil at that time used to just be called Bahia. So Bahia was like the the first, the original, the original Brazil before it expanded and later became Brazil. So they're basically just saying that the the indigenous people there were the dark skinned so called Negroes, right? And they were putting that Negro um, brand on them even back in the fifteen hundreds, right? Um, when Africans are referred to in the Jesuit letters, they are always called Negros da Guinea, the blacks of Guinea, to distinguish them from Negros da Terra, blacks of the land or Americans, right? So the Jesuits, man, they're writing these letters and they're writing back to Portugal and they're talking about the Indios, the indigenous Brazilians, and they're calling them Negros de Teja. And they made this, they made that differentiation by calling the Africans Negros de Guinea. Okay. So this is important to know when you're putting this in perspective, because you also have these Phoenician artifacts that are being found there. They have the Phoenician script. And if you have a bunch of people, obviously of Moorish descent, living in that area, 
dark skin, curly hair, what you this the, who are now referred to as Negroes, right? They're descendants in Brazil, just like here in America. Why would you assert that they aren't the descendants of the Phoenicians, the, the people who 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 built these artifacts that were left there? So obviously, this is who we are. This is the ancient, this is the connection that's missing, right? It's left out. And um, it's not expected that people notice, right? But like like Islam, like uh El Basir said, they look like Kodak Black. Right? That's why in the Caribbean you have so many dark-skinned people, right? They didn't all get brought there on ships. They couldn't have. Okay, and so we have the Phoenician artifacts. That's the connector. This is physical evidence that ties in to our divine, our divine um and hidden history, which is returned to us, which is in our holy book. It lines right on up with it. But if you don't have that aspect of who you are, you can't really make that connection. And then that's also why you'll have some people that are way out there who are, it's great. I'm glad that there's a lot of so-called black people who are now starting to realize that we weren't all brought here on slave ships, but they don't realize how ignorant they are by trying to distance themselves from the Moors. They have no idea. They don't know anything, man. They're like newborn babies. Basically, so um, just coming back to this, you know, this is amazing, man. The Jesuits living near Minister Ice, 1641, reported bronze figurines with a strange writing. The antiquarians at the Vatican identified the inscriptions as Phoenician. And that's why I was sharing how the Jesuit letters, they're writing. They're calling the indigenous people here Negros de Teja. They're not talking about Negros from Africa. No, they're talking about the ones from here. They called them Negros de Guinea, right? Guinea. In 1754, missionaries reported the ruins of a stone city in the Amazon jungle, also having Phoenician inscriptions. Okay. The Phoenicians knew of and traveled to Brazil. This seems clear. Right. What was to prevent them from sailing to North America, specifically to Lake Michigan at the Chicago River? Right. So you have the same abundance of evidence for the Phoenicians presence in Illinois. Right. Or why? Why? You you actually do not just in Illinois. You you have this being found all throughout the Americas. So we don't have to just look at that one artifact in Chicago. We have the born stone. We have the bow stone. Like how many people knew there was a stone that's saying that it's dedicated to bow in New Hampshire. Right. And so and and then it's it's even more um, amazing that this is not coming from our perspective. These things are being written by Mormons, by Jews, by all types of people. Right. So if they're not going to tell you who you are either, you have to know. Right. And so. Um, you know, <laughs> Excuse me, just wanted to make this connection because this is amazing. And um, it's right there under your nose if you're in Chicago. Right. And nobody is trying to tell you who you are. They're not trying to bring this to you. OK, but it's right there. And um, you have several of these artifacts being found throughout the Americas. Nobody's talking about it. Right. So um, there's a reason for that. Um, this uh, actually is from I 
think CF Ref, yeah, Professor CS Raffinesque. Um, he's got he's got a book, The American Nations, Volume One, and then uh, the Atlantic Journal, Friend and Knowledge. Some of you may have seen this. There's a meme going around with this on here where he talks about the primitive primitive black nations of America. Remember, primitive for the most part just means predating prehistory. Okay. And in this, he just goes on and on about the different people, so-called Negroes, the black nations found in America, as it says here. Right. And um, this is one of the earlier anthropologists of the different tribes in the Americas, North, South and Central America. So he just goes on and on about this, um, the different people. Um, I'll put this in the description as well. Um, and here, though, he talks about as well the Phoenician connection and um, the American nations, volume one, saying the pirates of all nations, even Algerians, Algerians, Algerians have wandered to America. Then he says almost all the nations of Africa have been led there in slavery. They'll put slavery on us in a second. Asia sent Jews, Hindus, gypsies. These are all, all Moors, Asiatics, or is, Zinganis, Chinese, or Tartars, while Oceania. He's saying all of these different people that came to the Americas, and we have the connection, even though it's not being talked about, right? But particularly from the East, they know that they colonized the Americas. The bold navigators, Atlantes, Pelagians, Phoenicians, Libyans, Etruscans, ETC, right? The Tartars, Chinese, Polynesians. Um, then just saying that it's erroneous to think that just a single nation populated the whole Western Hemisphere. When you have artifacts, you have so much here that has been found that's being suppressed, even still in this day and age, right? Suppressing this information. So um, it's just known, right? Even even if we're not seeing it, it's it's a known fact that Particularly, you had a heavy Phoenician, a heavy Moorish presence in the Americas. And that's also why the people here were Moors. So in Brazil, where you actually had people who were really brought here in slave ships, you really did have slave ships that went from um, the western portion of Africa to Brazil. People were brought here as POWs. But also, you had the indigenous people there who were called the Negros de Terra, right? The Negros of the land. And in that area, you have ancient Phoenician artifacts, right? This also is saying it's a positive fact that many ancient nations of the East, such as the Libyans, Moors, Etruscans, Phoenicians, Hindus, ETC, have heard of America or knew nearly as much of it as we did of Australia and Polynesia 100 years ago. It is as certain that America contained anciently as even now a crowd of distinct nations and tribes, some of which were quite civilized, right? So you had the people here who built the mounds and the Cahokias and the, um, what they call Poverty Point. But you have you have the people who built these cities like Teotihuacan and all these these um, metropolitan cities with with temples, with schools, with universities, with pyramids. And then you had the others, as it says here, who were barbarous, who were um, um, living like in teepees and, and hunter-gatherers, okay? 
Um, they were formerly in America, as now tribes of all complexions, yellowish, olive, coppery, tawny, red and brown, incarnate or white, and even blackened or Negro-like, tall or dwarfish men from eight to four feet in size called giants and pygmies, men with various frames, skulls, and features of all sorts found in the Eastern Hemisphere. Um, Americans have long before Columbus large cities built of stone, brick, and wood, walls, ditches, temples, palaces, some of which were of immense size and population. One of them, Otolum, near Palenque, <coughs> was 28 miles long, equal to Thebes, Babylon, and Canoge in size and monuments. Otolum was nearly, it was 28 miles long, an ancient city. Nearly all the ancient sciences and useful prim primitive arts were known in America, as well as commerce and navigation, symbolic and alphabetic writing, Nearly all the Asiatic religions, the most civilized nations had even colleges and universities, canals and paved roads, splendid temples and monuments, right? So it was known that we're Asiatics over here, but it's covered up, man. It's covered up. So um, he goes on to talk about the antediluvian period, you know, pre-flood, right? So this is the knowledge that's covered up hidden from us. And um, the reason, one of the reasons, I mean, you can look at that, the doctrine of discovery, right? The papal bull, right? Issued by Pope Alexander VI on May 4th, 1493, played a central role in the Spanish conquest of the new world, right? So um, within this, the Spanish declared the Moors to be uncivilized, to be savages, right and um by doing this they they made they put themselves over us and they gave themselves a right to to go forth and to take their lands and to civilize them okay um the bull stated that any land not inhabited by christians was available to be discovered right discovered in quotation marks claimed and exploited by Christian rulers and declared that the Catholic faith and the Christian religion be exalted and be everywhere increased and spread and that the health of souls be cared for and that barbarous nations be overthrown and brought to the faith itself. So that's why the prophet um, decreed, therefore we are returning the church and Christianity back to the European nations. It was prepared by their forefathers for their earthly salvation while we, the Moorish Americans, are returning to Islam, which was founded by our forefathers for our earthly and divine salvation. So we're not downing anyone and not trying to make anyone feel bad. It's just we know this, right? Let me ask my daughter. Do you do you understand this, baby? Sweetheart? Nani? Can you demonstrate on this at all? You get it? All right. So it's it's important for you to understand this. And to pass this on to your children, they need to get it too, right? This, the Christians, um, or Christianity was used as a weapon. It was weaponized, right? So if we want to come into our divine covenant, we have to come out of that. And we have to come into who we truly are. And so this doctrine of discovery was used to cover it up, right? It became the basis of all European claims in the Americas, as well as the foundation for the United States Western expansion, right? Manifest destiny. 
In essence, American Indians had only a right of occupancy, which could be abolished. They didn't they didn't have any dominions. Right. Just because you live somewhere doesn't mean that you have possession of it. The bull inter Catera made headlines again throughout the 1990s and 2000 when many Catholics petitioned Pope John Paul II to formally revoke it and recognize the human rights of indigenous non-Christian people, non-Christian peoples, right? So that's that's where we're at. Like we, you know, if if you are a Moorish American Muslim, you do not fall under this. You have to get out of this. Right. This was used to remove us. You're not connected to the ancient Phoenician roots we have right here. These all of these artifacts that we're going over. Once again, I want to pull that question back up. Because in the beginning, somebody had a question like, why? What are, what are we talking about this stuff for? Right. Which actually wasn't wasn't a bad question. I get it. For most people, this is just talk. All this past stuff, being Hebrews and former kings, what does it do for us today? nothing if it's just talk right you have to move as a moorish american you have to know what a moorish american is how to move properly and to move as a unit as a community as a nation right and you have to come out of the category that was built for you to leave you vulnerable right they created the negro to do two things to remove it from its from its heritage which removed it from the family of humans and made it vulnerable so it's something that's not connected to to um, the people who are the creators of civilization. And it's vulnerable. So you have to come out of that. You have to define who you are. And by defining who you are as a more, you're reconnected to all of these ancient Phoenician artifacts here in the Americas that prove these are your markers. These are your boundary stones. This is your land. This is your dominion. We have our holy book, which establishes this. We have we have artifacts which establish this. We have the bloodline which establishes this, right? And you cannot go against that. So you have to come in and be who you are. You have to know who you are. All right. And so this this is actually the Popal Bull from 1493. There was um, actually more than one. This is the one from 1493, and um. You got the transcript of it here. Not going to read this whole thing, but just have some parts like um, basically it's saying, right? Your recovery of the kingdom of Granada from the yoke of the Saracens. Anytime you see Saracens, that means more. It's referring to us. So they recovered the kingdom of Granada from the yoke of the Saracens, right? You had a, a weak Moorish king, Boabdil, who sold Granada, he gave it up, right? He sold it to his his um, watered down cousins, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand. Okay, and then they proceeded to take advantage of this. Now, now all of this land of milk and honey, the Americas, is open to them, and they proceeded to sell portions to different European nations, and they divided it up for themselves, right? And so they used their religion their leader, their pope, to give them dominion, to give them um, the reason to come out and do this, right? We have indeed learned that you, who for a long time had intended to seek out and discover certain islands and mainlands remote and unknown and not here to 
discovered by others to the end that you might bring the worship of our redeemer christ and the profession of the catholic faith their residence um so you can bring the catholic faith to their residence to the people that live in these these lands that they hadn't discovered the americas bring the catholic faith to their residents and inhabitants having been up to the present time greatly engaged in the siege and recovery of the kingdom of granada were unable to accomplish this holy and praiseworthy purpose but the said kingdom having at length been regained so they're letting it be known that this was a portion of the kingdom of granada or that they at least could not even enter here until they took granada and then it says oh art chose our beloved son christopher columbus a man of surely worthy and so they're letting it be known i mean like okay <laughs> Granada fell 1491. Columbus comes out here 1492, 1493. You got the the doctrine of discovery. You got the the papal bull letting it be known that they're gonna go out and they're going to um take the land and enforce the the people to become Christians. Right, all of this happening, boom, 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 one year after the other. So there's no way anyone should have any doubt in their mind that this wasn't connected they they couldn't come to the americas until granada fell all right so it's not a coincidence that all of this started happening rapidly as soon as granada fell right and they discovered certain very remote islands and even mainlands that hereto had not been discovered by others wherein dwell very many peoples living in peace and as reported going unclothed and not eating flesh speaking about the americans these very peoples living in the said islands and countries believe in one God, the creator in heaven, and seem sufficiently disposed to embrace the Catholic faith and be trained in good morals. And it is hoped that where they instructed the name of the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, would easily be introduced into the said countries and islands. So they're letting it be known that the people, it said the very people living in the said islands and countries believe in one God, the creator in heaven, and seem sufficiently disposed to embrace the Catholic faith. Like they were already Muslims. They already were practicing Islam. They believed in the creator. They were peaceful, okay? For the most part, many of them were living in peace. Some even not eating flesh. So they already had their own ways. And they came in and destroyed that to give them their version of Christianity. Why? So that they could take over. Like, oh, you went for it. You fell for it. You took on my religion. That means I civilize you. That means I own you, Negro. And they take your stuff. Right? So this was all the being done that the name of our Savior be carried into those regions. As is your duty to lead the peoples dwelling in those islands and countries to embrace the Christian religion. You have to come out of that. And that's why that's a portion of our divine covenant. You have to come out of it. You have to make the exodus. You have to return that stuff right on back to them, right? So probably not too many people watching this who have a problem with that, but um, do need to put that out there because it's the truth, all right? And it had to be done. So um, <laughs> um, Islam, peace to everybody who commented in the chat. Thank you for sharing, building. Um, I do ask that everybody clicks the like and share button. We need to get some more likes. We need a lot more likes. I see 
there's plenty of people watching right now. So we, we definitely need more people to click that like button, click the love button. All right. Matter of fact, every everybody watching this, hit hit that button. Come on. We need to see those those likes get up and click the share button. And um if you came on late, make sure you go back and watch this. We touched on several things. It should be understood without a doubt the Phoenician connection to the Americas. And if you see that, then you can also see why it's important with our prophet return to us. Prophet Noble Drew Ali. It's not a joke. It's real. It's legit. And this is it. You know, that's why the prophet would say this is the soul salvation. This is it. Because that connection is made. And now that you know who you are, you can move on something and you can get what's due to you. All right. Um, You can't do it as black people, as Negroes, because that was a creation. They gave that to you. They civilized you. You have to step outside of that. By coming into who you are, you are the creators of civilization. You civilized them. Okay? You've been here longer than anyone else. Um, Just going back to this, chapter 47 is powerful. Egypt, the capital empire of the dominion of Africa. Let's go on and finish this out reading this. The inhabitants of Africa are the descendants of the ancient Canaanites from the land of Canaan. Old man Cush and his family are the first inhabitants of Africa who came from the land of Canaan. His father Ham and his family were second. Then came the word Ethiopia, which means the demarcation line of the dominion of Amexum, the first true and divine name of Africa. The dividing of the land between the father and the son, the dominion of Cush, northeast and southeast Africa, and northwest and southwest um, was his father's dominion of, in, of Africa. In later years, many of their brethren from Asia and the Holy Lands joined them. The Moabites from the land of Moab who received permission from the pharaohs of Egypt to settle and inhabit Northwest Africa. They were the fathers and are the true possessors of the present Moroccan empire with their Canaanite, Hittite, and Amorite brethren who sojourned from the land of Canaan seeking new homes. Their dominion and inhabitation extended from Northeast and Southwest Africa across the great Atlantis, even into the present North, South and Central America, and also Mexico and the Atlantis Islands before the great earthquake, which caused the great Atlantic Ocean. That timing before the great earthquake, which caused the great Atlantic Ocean, lets you know that this um, Northwest Africa, right, that we were given permission from the pharaohs to settle and inhabit, Northwest Africa is North America. Okay. And this is our dominion. The river Nile was dredged and made by the ancient pharaohs of Egypt in order to trade with the surrounding kingdoms. Also, the Niger River was dredged by the great pharaoh of Egypt in those ancient days for trade. And and it extends eastward from the river Nile westward across the great atlantic it was used for trade and transportation um everybody watching this click that like button come on get some more likes on here click the like button and share um i'm thinking we have to do things like this to help this information grow 
um, I know the power of of my own thoughts and words, so I don't want to speak in the negative, but just keeping it real. YouTube hasn't been promoting this stuff. They just haven't. They're not trying to get it out there, bro. They they're not trying to let people know. So you have an obligation if you're watching this, if you gained any type of insight. I mean, maybe you're just being entertained by this. I don't know. If you're gaining anything from this video, the very least you can do is click like, click love, click like, and share it. If you're watching this on Facebook, you should even go to YouTube and click like and share this. If you're on vice versa, YouTube, you should even go to Facebook, like, and share this. Everyone, it's like you have an obligation because this is the Moorish divine and national movement. This is a grassroots movement from the people. This isn't something that's being financed by billionaires, being financed by the government, by secret organizations. It's It's only the labor of love for me. So the least you can do if you're watching this is go like and share it and then go on the other platform and like and share it. Get this information out there. Right? It should be going viral because of us spreading it. And, um, there should the people who are out there who because like I said, there's a lot of so-called black folks now who want to claim to be Indians and they're happy. And they the people who feel like they could even utter out their mouth anything negative about a more, they should be ashamed. They shouldn't even feel like they could do this. If this information is getting out there, it deads all of that. Okay. They have no connection to the Phoenician artifacts, the the marker stones, the boundary stones here. If they are not Moors, period, point blank. Okay, so this information needs to grow. Everyone click like and share. Help this information get out there. That's the only thing I'm asking of you if you're watching this, whether you're watching it live or tomorrow or whatever. Okay. Um, and uh, let me get back to the Quran. So uh, according to all true and divine records, of the human race. There is no Negro, black or colored race attached to the human family because all the inhabitants of Africa were and are of the human race, descendants of the ancient Canaanite na nation from the holy land of Canaan. What your ancient forefathers were, you are today without doubt or contradiction. There is no one who is able to change man from the descendant nature of his forefathers unless his powers extend beyond the great universal creator Allah himself. These holy and divine laws are from Prophet Noble Ali, the founder of the Uniting of the Moorish Science Temple of America. These laws are to be strictly preserved by the members of all the temples of the Moorish Science Temple of America, that they will learn to open their meeting and guide it according to the principles of love, true peace, freedom, and justice. Um, every subordinate temple of the Grand Major Temple is to form under the covenant of love, true peace, freedom, and justice, and to create their own laws and customs in conjunction with the laws of the Holy Prophet and the Grand Temple. I, the Prophet Noble Drew Ali, was sent by the great God Allah to warn all Asiatics of America to repent from their sinful ways before that great and awful day that is sure to come. Our sinful ways are not upholding the, the principles, the laws, the customs of our forefathers, right? To continue to follow the ways of the Europeans. The time has come when every nation must worship under his own vine and fig tree and every tongue must confess his own. Right. So in this day and time, if we still are going away from this, we still don't want to accept who we truly are. Just that's the sin. That's why you suffer. 
that's why you're not powerful and why you don't control your own source of food. You don't control the water. You don't even control the air. They, they're making you wear a mask, right? They can make you do anything. They created the coronavirus. They create viruses all the time. They have the swine flu. There's always something, right? So you can't do anything about it if you don't have your own nation. If you don't come into your own, create your own society, your own community to withstand whatever they're trying to do. Through sin and disobedience, every nation has suffered slavery due to the fact that they honor not the creed and principles of their forefathers. That is why the nationality of the Moors was taken away from them in 1774. And the word Negro, black and color was given to the Asiatics of America who were of Moorish descent because they honored not the principles of their father, their mother and father and strayed after the gods of Europe of whom they knew nothing. And as you can see in that, um, that uh, Papal Bull that we were reading, it was saying, hey, they have a God. They worship the God, the creator of the universe, but they would be open to uh, Christianity, to Catholicism. We think they will be open to it, which will allow us to come in and take over. And this is basically what they're saying. Okay, so what the... I have no idea what this dude is talking about, Satan. Just make sure you click like and share, bro. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about in the chat. You're here saying a bunch of nonsense. Okay. So this is basically um, just wanted to put this information out. Um, everybody, like and share this video. Like and share it. Get it out. Um, share this a few times throughout the week. But definitely right now, click like and share. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and get up out of here. Appreciate everyone, especially all the people who like and share this video and help get this info out there. And anyone that wants to um, donate, you can send a cash app to Moors in America. Moors in America. Just cash app, Moors in America. We appreciate that. Like I said, this is a labor of love. Um, uh, like most people, I work, take care of my family. I just do this to help to get the information out and to represent it properly from a Moorish perspective because nobody else is doing this, right? And um, you see this stuff that I had up like from the, the Biblical Archaeological Institute, they're not doing this for us. They're talking about it, they're doing research on it and, and they're sharing it amongst themselves and they're not cluing us in. They're not trying to empower you. Okay, nobody else is doing this for you. So the least you could do is help share this information, you know, to help get it out there, just to get it seen by more people to help raise the consciousness. Okay, because this stuff, that's no joke, right? Why are Christians talking about the Phoenician inscriptions in Brazil? And it's a secret. It's a big secret. Access denied if you want to know about that. It's not for you, but it's about you. Okay, so why are they doing this? Right, that's some real Indiana Jones stuff right there. And it, look, it's all about us. Islam, and yeah, the yeah the United States of America, the Constitution was based off of the Great Law of Peace, which is something that the indigenous people here created. The Moors here, everything was based off of us. 
Okay. Did you know that the people who created the great law of peace were referred to as Moors? It was known that they were Moors. Did you know that where they met was Shechem Mexum, the sheiks of Mexum? That was the meeting place for the sheiks, for the chiefs, for the kings. This is ours. Everybody click like and share. Help grow this. Help get this out. Y'all enjoy your day on this great Saturday. Weather warming up. Beautiful out here. Peace and love to all the Moors. Love, peace, freedom, and justice. Everybody should understand and know these are divine principles. We stand on it. Um, if you don't know, if you don't understand, I suggest everybody get a Holy Quran of the Moore Science Temple of America. Study. And, um, you know, if you want to study with other Moors as well. All right. Um, Islam, just running through this real quick before we get up out of here. But peace and love to everybody. All right. And especially to all the Moors that share this information to help get this out there. Okay. We've been here. And um, it's not good enough just to know about it, though. You have to get out there and put some action to the your boots on the ground. Right. Get your boots on the ground. Connect with the Moors. I'm just hoping everybody click that like and share button, though, to help get this out there. <laughs> all right. So we're going to go on and um, get up out of here. But um, for those that, that came in late, make sure you go back, go back and um, watch this in its entirety. And then do yourself and your family and friends a favor and share that. Um, I do want to I want to say peace and love to sister Yolanda Hurst. Thank you for that. That is much appreciated. Much appreciated because this is definitely a labor of love. It's <laughs> definitely something that you know just do to help to um raise consciousness and awareness. Okay, so peace and love to that sister. Love you and um everybody go out, enjoy your family and friends, but make sure you share this video and like. There should be way more likes on here because there's way more people watching than I see likes. So everybody that's watching this click that like button and um on that note we're gonna go ahead and get up out of here and you can also send a donation to cash app moors in america okay so peace and love everybody y'all enjoy your weekend we're gonna go ahead and get out <laughs>